Good morning. Um, my name is Corey, and I'm a partner here at Flourishing Grace. I serve on the prayer and hospitality team, and I also serve in the children's ministry in the nursery. And this morning, we're going to be reading from Philippians 3. So if you could grab a Bible, if you brought it, or there's a blue one underneath the seat. Uh, Philippians 3, 3 through 11, and that's on page 1085. And would you all stand with me while we read the word of God? For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Corey. Good morning again, Flourishing Grace. How are the kiddos in the room doing? Are there kids in the room? Are there? Yes, large children in the room. Yes. How are the kids doing? Are there kids in the room? Little kids? Little kids in here? Oh, yeah, in the back. Yeah, awesome. Good. It's good to be with you guys this morning. It's going to be fun. Here's what we're going to do. Just for the parents real quick, um, what, what my hope is this, this morning, every fifth Sunday, as we invite your children, your grandchildren into the room, uh, is to kind of create an opportunity for you as the parent, right? For your child, this is valuable for your child to sit in to, to experience the gathering of the saints, to, to worship with us, to, to sing with us, to watch you. They're studying you. They're learning from you. All right? And this is an opportunity for you this morning. And I want to give you an even greater opportunity, right? So what we've done uh, on our website, I know Lindsay's sent this out several times this week with all kinds of resources for you guys. We just updated it this morning with some questions for you so that after this gathering, after the sermon, you, you can kind of take this and, and you can take your kids out to the place where they want to go. You can treat them to a special treat, right? Kids, where do you guys want to go for lunch this afternoon? Cafe Rio, in and out Chick-fil-A. It's Sunday, Holmes. You know that. Come on. Come on. Come on. McDon Anybody want to go to McDonald's? Get themselves a McFlurry. Get your kids some ice cream. Treat them to lunch. Have some fun. And we've, we've put these questions online for you. So flourishinggrace.org slash fifth Sunday. So 5th, T-H, fifth Sunday. 
Um, you'll find it there. There's questions like related to this sermon. And my hope is this morning is that this would just be, I'd be like a T-ball coach for our parents and grandparents in the room. And all I got to do is like put the ball on the tee and just say, swing as hard as you can. And just, it would just be easy for you to have a great conversation with your kids around Jesus and how beautiful and wonderful he is. Um, and that's, that's my hope for you all uh, this morning. And for our kids in the room, I hear that there's bingo cards. Right, there's a game of bingo being played, um, and so man, first person that gets it gets a special treat. I hear that, so feel free, whatever you know. Shout out bingo. I don't. It's fine. I don't care. Um, but only the first person gets a special treat. You all get a treat if you get it done, but uh, only the first person gets a special treat. Here's my question for the kids in the room. Uh, listen, kids. Hey, what do you think? What do you think is the most expensive thing in the world? Twitter. Twitter. Finally, somebody's in the ballpark. A mansion. Okay, what else? What else? Man, 915 was way more engaged. Kids, what do we think? My booth. $15, Bubby. What? What? A spider. I, I don't know. Can you buy a spider? I hope not. You probably can. That's creepy. What else? Adults, what do we think? Most expensive thing in the world. Expensive. Can you buy God? You can't buy God. A sports team. Okay. Now we're getting someplace. Now we're getting some. What? I can't hear you. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'll give you, I'm just going to give you the top five. I'll give you the top five. All right. So n- number five, the most expensive thing on the planet, right? is a house in Mumbai. It's 27 stories tall. That costs $2 billion, okay? If it doesn't end with a B, you're not even in the top five, okay? Okay, so $2 billion for that house. That's, that looks like a skyscraper, but no, that's one person's house. Like one guy was like, I'm just going to build that for myself and nobody else. It looks like you could put a lot of people in there, but he's like, no, nope, that's, just, that's just me. That's mine. It's got its own helipad. It's like floating swimming pools crazy. And just barely squeaking that out, just barely beating that, um, is the Hubble Space Telescope at $2.1 billion. So if you're really into astronomy and you got a lot of money, right, you could buy that. You could, you could own that. Um, $2.1 billion. And then after that, there's a kind of a big jump to $4.5 billion. It's a yacht called, and the name of this yacht is, yes, it's gold, right? Because if you have $4.5 billion, you have a golden yacht. Um, it's called History Supreme. Um, kind of a lame name, but again, if you have $4.5 billion, you name your yacht whatever you want to name it. Um, and so that, that's $4.5 billion. And then somebody nailed it already, right? $44 billion. If you've seen the news this week, Twitter. Yeah, you just buy Twitter for $44 billion, which is kind of cheating because it's not really a thing. You can't literally hold it, but, you know, it's a thing. Um, but that's not even it. That's not even number one. Far surpassing Twitter, far surpassing a sports team, far surpassing any of those things. There's this thing, $62.5 trillion per gram is this thing called antimatter. Antimatter, right? That's right there, antimatter. $62.5 trillion per gram. Now, I know you're asking, what is the antimatter? And as I was kind of looking at this stuff this week, I, I went down the rabbit hole, and I read three articles on antimatter, and here's what it is. I have no idea. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. 
Okay? Listen, they say it's like the future of space travel. You can do like some sort of crazy body imaging scanning thing with it. I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. I was, I just, I went down the rabbit hole and still have no idea. But I do know this, 62.5 trillion dollars per gram. How does antimatter weigh something? Can't figure that one out either. I have no idea, right? Here's my question, right? Kids in the room, listen, what if you could actually attain it? Like what if you could actually be the person who achieves the things and gains the things that you, like you can only dream of. Like, what if you rode around in a $4.5 billion golden yacht and that was just your life? Like, what if you could, what if, whatever, whatever your wildest dream is, whatever the thing is that you could think up, like, what if you could live that out? What if you could become that? You see, in our text this morning in the Bible, Um, The Apostle Paul actually does. He actually attains the thing that he desires to attain most in life. For Paul, what he wanted more than he wanted anything was not something that costs money. It wasn't a monetary thing. It didn't cost $4.5 billion or $62 trillion. No, for Paul, it was his identity. Do you guys know what identity is? My little friends in the room, do you guys know what identity is? Your identity, right, when we think about identity, we think about our fingerprints, right? You know, nobody in the world has the same set of fingerprints. Fascinating thing. Fascinating thing. Right? Your identity is unique to you. It's who you are. It's who you are. And and nobody is the same as you. Right? We all have our own identity. And our identity is also who people see us. How they people see us. Right? How your teacher at school sees you. How your mom and dad see you. How your friends see you. What are you known as? Right? When people think about you, what do they think about? Right? Maybe they think about you as a great soccer player or a great baseball player, an athlete. Maybe think about you as like the best math kid in the class or maybe the best fastest reader in the class. Uh, Maybe you're the the most quiet person in the class. Maybe the loudest person in the class. I got one of those. Um, I I don't know what they think about when they think about you, right? But what do people think about when they think about you? What do you want people to think about when they think about you? For Paul... Paul wanted people to think about a great man of Israel, right? We live in the United States of America. Paul lived in this place called Israel, right? And he wanted his people were the people of Israel, the Hebrew people. And he wanted to be seen as a great man of Israel, the greatest man of Israel. And so he gave his life to that end. He worked and 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 he actually got there. And in this in this letter that he's writing, he, he kind of gives his, 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 kind of his uh, resume to the people. He says, this is who I became. And here's what he says. He, li- he lists a few things. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. What he says is this. Right, circumcision was a mark of the people of Israel. And what he's saying is, when I was eight days old, crushing it. Like, I started at eight days old. Like, when did you start becoming awesome? Right? Like, what, when was that day for you? Paul's like, when I was eight days old. That's when it started. I've been doing this since I was eight days old. I've mastered it. I've become it. Right? He says, I'm of the people of Israel. I didn't, I didn't become an Israelite. I was born an Israelite. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul says, I'm, that's my tribe. That's my people. Right? There's 12 tribes of Israel. The tribe of Benjamin is the smallest tribe, but it's the tribe of King Saul. It's an important tribe in the history of Israel. Paul says, man, I'm from an important people within an important people. I, I'm, that's who I am. 
since I was a little boy. I've been dominating at this. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? There's all these people who are Israelites, but I'm the cream of the crop. I'm the top of the top. I'm the best of the best. There's nobody like me. As to the law, Paul says a Pharisee. A Pharisee. What does that mean? As to the law, a Pharisee. Nothing. Nothing. Here's what it means. Here's what it means. The law of God was so important to the people of it, to the Hebrew people, to the people of Israel. And the Pharisees, what the Pharisees would do, and I know in, if you've been with Miss Lindsay upstairs with all of our awesome kids volunteers, like the Pharisees get like a bad rap. But when it came to the law, they followed that law perfectly. And what they would do is they would create all these other little laws around the one big law so that they would never come close to breaking the big law. So if the law was, I mean, 75 miles an hour is the fastest you can drive, they would say, well, we're only going to drive 55 miles an hour. We're never going to come close to breaking that law so that we never break the law. And so the Pharisees, when it came to the law, they were perfect. They crushed it. They never broke the law. They were regarded in the eyes of the people of Israel as perfect men, men who lived unbelievably righteous lives. Uh, Paul says, as to my zeal, right? What is zeal? Zeal, zeal is like our passion, right? Our, uh, how much we love something and care about something, right? And how much we actually act that out. Paul says, as to my zeal, man, I was a persecutor of Christians, persecutor of the church, right? Paul says, anything that, that threatens this identity, this beautiful, wonderful thing, a great man of Israel, I'm going after that. And the people who love Jesus said, that's not worth anything. And so Paul went after them. He hunted them down. He hurt them and even killed them. He says, nobody's going to speak against my identity. And then he says this. He says, as to righteousness, blameless. Blameless. Paul says, I actually did it. I achieved it. Righteousness. In the eyes of the people of Israel, Paul actually achieved it. I am blameless, he says. Say, how could he say that? That's, that's how good he was. He climbed and he climbed and he climbed and he worked and he got to the top of the pedestal. And he formed in this perfect identity. He says, I've actually achieved it. Paul had obtained what he saw was the most valuable thing in the world. And it wasn't a yacht or a space telescope. It wasn't a 27-story uh, house in Mumbai. Not even antimatter. For Paul, the most valuable thing was who he become as a human being a great man of the nation of Israel. And this, our identity, for many of us, is a very valuable thing. For many of the moms and dads in the room, and even for the kids. In fact, the reason why we spend money on most things is to influence the opinions of others around our identity. We dream about a new house, and we dream about how others will see us in that house. We dream about a new career. We dream about how others will see us in that career. We dream about new toys, new promotions, new clothes, new Instagram and TikTok posts. And we dream about how other people will see us in those things. Our identities are very important to us. Most of us in the room will give our lives to seeking the thing in our minds that we hold most valuable. Most of our time will be spent working towards that, whatever that thing is for you. Most of our money will go towards that. We will make sacrifices in order to get that thing. We will work and work and work and work for that which we treasure most. This is what Paul did. 
gave his whole life to pursuing this identity. So, what is your identity? How do you want to be seen by others? How do you hope that someday people will see you? Who are you trying to become? The world's greatest mom? A great leader? A great business leader? A great boss? How do you want to be seen? How do you want the people around you to see you? A great religious figure? Somebody who has it all together? What if? What if you're wrong? What if it's not the most valuable thing in the world? What if you give your life to chasing what you see is most valuable, but actually it's not valuable at all? What if you give your whole life to gaining something that in the end wasn't worth gaining? What if it was all a waste of time, or maybe more accurately, a waste of yourself? I like how Alice Box says it. She says, we waste, we say we waste time, but that's impossible. We waste ourselves. What if you chase and you chase and you chase and you chase, and one day you realize it was all a waste? My little friends in the room, right, whether you're in second grade or third grade, maybe you're, maybe you're even junior high or high school, then my hope for you this morning is that you wouldn't, you wouldn't waste your life. You wouldn't waste yourself. My hope for my adult friends in the room is that you wouldn't waste another minute of your life chasing lesser treasures. You see, how do we not waste our lives? How do we make sure that every moment of every day is spent on the most valuable thing? How, how do we make sure, right? How, how do I know that I'm pursuing the most valuable thing, that what I'm doing is actually worth doing? What I'm pursuing is worth pursuing. The only thing that can pull us out of our trash, trash chasing spiral is a true treasure. You see, when you, may, when you are making ultimate that which is most ultimate, it can never be a waste. When you're pursuing that which is most worthy of pursuit, it can never be a waste. When you're delighting in that which is most worthy of delight, it can't be a waste. Because it's the ultimate treasure. It is the thing that is actually more valuable than all other things. And with, when you think that you are the most valuable thing, and if, if your identity is your treasure, that's what you've declared. That the most valuable thing is me. That's what Paul declared with his life. Climbed up on the pedestal and he says, I've done it. I've become the most valuable thing in the world. For my little friends in the room, I want to tell you something. It's going to be really hard to hear this morning. And I tell you this because I love you. Okay, listen to me. You can't be the greatest treasure. I know your mom and your dad, they treasure you. Your grandma and your grandpa, they treasure you. And they tell you how great of a treasure you are. And you are a great treasure. But you'll never be the greatest treasure. And you need to learn that from a really, really young age. And some of my older friends in the room, we need to wake up to that reality. If, if we are the one, if my identity is the most valuable thing to me, then I'm treasuring the wrong thing. And I'm wasting my life. This is what Paul did. He treasured the wrong thing. He spent his whole life trying to attain this thing that he saw as most valuable until one day he met someone. Paul built his life and he climbed up on top of this pedal. So he said, I'm the greatest one ever. And then he met somebody 
who is infinitely more valuable than he was. Infinitely more righteous, infinitely more powerful, infinitely more loving, infinitely more law-abiding, infinitely more perfect and holy in every single way. On the road to Damascus, Paul met Jesus, the true treasure, the one who is more valuable than anything that you will ever find or dream of, the one who is more valuable than any yacht or house or even any person, the one who's more valuable than antimatter, because he just, like, Jesus can make antimatter with, like, the snap of his fingers. He's like, I invented antimatter. He's infinitely more valuable than antimatter, infinitely more valuable than any one of us. And when he becomes our true treasure, the thing that we value more than we value anything in the world, and not just something that we say, but we actually value him more than anything in the world, suddenly... We never waste another, another moment of our lives chasing, pursuing, becoming like the one that we value most. Paul finds the greatest treasure. What we need more than we need anything in the world is a greater treasure, the greatest treasure. And that treasure is Jesus. When you meet Jesus, you find the one who is greater than all things greater than all the things that you would ever want to have or even want to become. Next to all of those other things, those other things next to Jesus become meaningless. They become worthless. Or in Paul's words, they become rubbish. They become trash, insignificant. Next to the value and the worth of Jesus, who is infinitely greater than all things, all of those other things become insignificant and small. When you have the greatest treasure in the world... Suddenly a $4.5 billion yacht's like, whatever. Who cares? Like, who cares? Like, who cares? When you have Jesus, who cares? Owning some great big tech company when you have an eternity that awaits you with the one who is most glorious. Who cares? When you find the true treasure, you're suddenly freed from all of these little lesser pursuits that are going to lead you in all the wrong directions. Jesus put it this way in Matthew. He says that, that the kingdom of God, his kingdom, the, ki- the kingdom of King Jesus, is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when the person finds this treasure hidden, buried in the field, they go home and they sell everything that they own. Every Pokemon card, every video game, like every toy. They sell it all. They sell all their clothes. They sell their phone. They sell um, their house and their car. They sell everything they have, everything. And they take that money and they go buy the field. Because that treasure is worth more than anything they have or anything that they will ever have. Jesus is that treasure. He is the king of all kings. He was before all things. Before anything was, he was. He created all things. Everything that is was created by him. He holds all things together. Everything in this room is being held together right now by him. Everything in this world, everything in this galaxy, everything in the universe is being held together right now by him. He's spotless and he's beautiful. He owns all things. Now the cattle on a thousand hills, 
There's nothing in the universe that he doesn't put his finger on and say, that's mine. That, that belongs to me. $4.5 billion boat? Yeah, that's mine too. It's mine. That house in Mumbai? Mine. You. You belong to him. He is the most worthy treasure. And here's, here's the beautiful thing. That treasure treasures you. He treasures you. He loves you. He longs for you to have all of him in you. Jesus gave his life. He came and he, he bled and died on the cross to cleanse us so that we might be completely pure, completely clean, so that his perfection could come inside of us and that that greatest treasure of all might be in us, might fill us, might empower us, might equip us and give us indestructible joy. He wants you to have all of him. But if you want to have all of him, you must give him all of you. That's how it works, my little friends. To love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, must be the first step in attaining the greatest treasure ever. And my hope is that you would see him as a treasure that is worthy of all of you. And that you would give him all of your life right now today from a young age that you would know the greatest treasure is not you. It will not be found or bought or acquired. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And my hope for my older friends in the room is that that would be renewed in you this morning. If, you, if that's something that you've known a long time ago, that this morning you'd say, that's true and I've been chasing the wrong things. I've been building my life on those wrong things. As I said at the beginning of this, I mean, there's a whole list of questions for you to kind of sit down with your family, with your kids, and to, to walk through this and help them see that they can have the treasure that is in Jesus, that is Jesus, that they can lay hold of him today if they're willing to let go of all that they are. And that's my prayer for you, that we'd be people who let go of all that we are in order to cling to all that, all that he is. He's worthy of that. He's worthy of so much more than that. Let me pray for you guys this morning. Jesus, we come before you this morning. We declare in this place that you are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. You are the greatest treasure, infinitely more valuable than anything we can imagine. infinitely more valuable than anyone that we will ever become, anything that we could ever achieve, anything that we could ever buy or acquire. Would you help us to see that? Would you help us to live our lives with you at the center of them all? Would you help us to release our grasp on the things that we cling to? And would you take your right place at the top of the list of things that we love? Would we love you above all things, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength and all of our mind? Would you be our chief love and our chief delight? I pray that would be true for our little friends in the room and our adults as well. I pray these things in your sweet name. Amen.